Listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio. It's Friday, August 12th, 2016. This week is episode 426. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. I'm coming to you live from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania. I've got my engineer, John, you gotta have faith at the controls. And joining me from Studio C in McKee's Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hey, Joe. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Good day, Cliff. Okay, this week we've got a a fantastic show. We've got John Downey, Ken Larson, Cliff Zlotnick, and then we've got a couple of people calling in from the field, Mike Miles and Clayton Scholl, and then we're going to have the Global Restoration Industry Watchdog, Pete Consigli. Before we get started, we've got to thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at their website, jondon.com. That's jondon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, and last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com and check out the link to the Healthy Building Summit October 20 and 21 in Seven Springs Research to Practice. Alright, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submit your answers easy. Either email it to czlotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show, you can text in the answer via your computer. I'm sorry to report. There was no correct answer to last week's IAQ Radio trivia question. The IQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, August 12, 2016, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Now for this week's IQ Radio Trivia Question. Who is the author of a famous poem about a contrarian and very curious cat? Back to you, Joe. Okay. In the most recent edition of the IICRC Journal of Cleaning, Restoration, and Inspection, there were two articles about the state of the water damage restoration industry. Our guests today include the editor and the authors of those two articles. Ken Larson was one of the authors. He is the, uh, of the International Dry Standard Organization. He's been in the restoration industry for 38 years. He is an instructor for several organizations, including RIA and IICRC. He has written an authoritative 530-page book on the subject of leadership in restorative drying and heads up a restoration consulting firm called Restoration Expert Panel. John Downey is the editor of the IICRC Journal of Cleaning, Restoration, and Inspection. In addition to being the editor of the journal, Mr. Downey continues to run a multi-generational carpet cleaning company, Downey's Carpet Care of Granville, Ohio, and he was also the founder of Clean Facts magazine. And Cliff Zlotnick was the other author. He's a 40-year veteran of the cleaning and restoration industry. As the founder of Unsmoke and Microband Systems, Cliff was a pioneer in the development of cleaning products, equipment, and techniques for the industry. He has been awarded numerous industry awards and served as an officer and member of the board of directors 
for many industry associations. And of course, he's also the co-host of IAQ Radio and a partner in the IAQ Training Institute. All right, we've got some music for the guys, and then we're going to jump right into the questions. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. And I also want to mention for the second half of the show, we're going to have Clayton Scholl, who resides in Canada and entered the cleaning and restoration field in 1989. He is now a renowned flooring inspector. He has a very unique historical perspective, and he attended a WLI Water Loss Institute event in San Antonio back in October of 1989. Later that month, he was a participant in the Dry Zone beta course. And we've got Mike Miles. Mike Miles is with Service Master Restore of uh, Delaware, and uh, he's a longtime industry veteran who also is going to have a few comments on the articles, and they will, they will both join us for the second half. And then, of course, we'll bring in the global restoration industry watchdog, Pete Consigli, for the roundup. All right, let's start with you, Cliff. Your article was first in the uh, journal. Uh, we've given people the link to it, asked them to take a look at it before we get started. Give us a little background on your article and what inspired it. Well, uh, thanks, Joe. Um, I remember attending uh, two um, in-place drying courses. I went to the Chuck DeWalt one first. I later went to the, uh, uh, the Bolden class. And I remember leaving the DeWalt class kind of... Uh, kind of confused. You know, I, it didn't feel right. Uh, what we were doing didn't seem to be right. Um, you know, Chuck, uh, you know, has an interesting teaching style. He, uh, is very aggressive and, you know, you know, for, for the time that we were there, he pretty much insulted everybody telling everyone that they didn't know anything about drying, that they should go back and apologize to all their customers for leaving their buildings dry and, and so on and so forth. And I, I didn't really, uh, agree with him. And, I, you know, I, I did some testing myself as was reflected in the article. I came up with some different conclusions. I shared my conclusions with, uh, with people in the industry. And it was very much like the running of the bulls in Spain. You know, they opened <laughs> They opened the corral doors, the bulls were running, the people were running, and I just kind of got run over. You know, no one uh, really wanted to listen to what I had to say. Uh, you know, I talked to manufacturers about it. I talked to instructors about it. Uh, I talked to distributors about it. And, uh, you know, either they just ignored it or they said, shh, don't tell anybody, you know, it's going to gonna hurt our business. And it always really bothered me, and it just kind of kept building up and kept building up. And I tried to write an article a couple of times, and, and I made some notes. But what really triggered it was getting uh, Ken's article. Uh, Ken wrote his article on the elephant in the room. He submitted it to me in a draft form, and he said, would you like to work on this article with me? And uh, I told him that I would. And I began trying to work on the article with Ken, and one thing led to another, and one paragraph led to another, and another paragraph, and another paragraph. And, uh, you know, it, the article just kind of took a, uh, a form of its own. And, uh, you know, I decided that, um, you know, we could either write, write a big one together or separate them. And uh, I owe really uh, debts of gratitude to a couple of people. First, I think, uh, is Pete Consigli. Pete helped me. He has an incredible recall for names, dates, uh, and places, and he helped me put it into uh, historical perspective in terms of some of the dates and quotes. Uh, second person, again, is Ken, number one, giving me the inspiration for it. But then number two, no one that I know knows the IICRC standard uh, for water damage restoration better than Ken. He knows it site uh, and verse, and uh, he helped me find the citations and, you know, 
put that together for me. And I really wasn't interested in doing it, Joe, the, the citations. My experience working with the IICRC on, on water damage standard went back to working on the first one. I worked on it with Pete Consigli, and I found it a very unfulfilling and frustrating uh, process. I left there. Uh, very disappointed and really disengaged. And I just had such bad experience the first time and then did some work on S520. That was it. I just disengaged and that was it. So that's kind of my background and how we got to where we're at now. Well, let's let's go with Ken. Um, be, before we do, though, I also, I'd also like to add that Ken has a good grasp of building science as well and i think you know a lot of this all comes down to is the science correct or not and um but before i i go into any more ken give us a little background since i i didn't realize i'm glad cliff made this clear your article came first i guess and then then he decided to go ahead and develop his afterwards tell us a little bit about the background on your article and what motivated you to write it well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I, while uh, Cliff uh, gives all these nice, kind accolades to uh, me inspiring him, I want everybody to know that, you know, his feedback and, and contributions uh, and, you know, just inspired the, uh, the two articles to take a form that I think has uh, combined a very compelling message. So uh, I do appreciate uh, Cliff saying that and actually being involved in the process. And Pete, too. <laughs> Cliff is absolutely right. Pete's got an amazing recollection of who and when. It's just it's uh, amazing to watch. So um, as for what uh, inspired my article, there were two things that inspired me to write the article. The first thing was a study that was published in May 1912, 1912, 2012. Let's try 2012, in the Journal of Environmental Health. Um, this study uh, revealed that even if a contractor was able to respond to a water damage loss within a mere four hours of the intrusion, an in-place drying process, as described in the S-500-2006, resulted in an exponential increase of bacterial count within the flooring materials. Now, we're not talking about just a small increase. There are increases in the orders of several magnitude, and that got my attention. And um, I was really disappointed that so few in the IICRC leadership embraced that message that was published in the, the Journal of Environmental Health. And, I real, and they failed to realize that an immediate response was actually really important. So, you know, that was 2012. And after four years of this IICRC silence on the matter, I decided to write an article on the new S-500s 2015, the new one we just got. They omitted any mention of in-place drying. And I wanted everybody to notice that, that it's gone. It's not there. It's not even mentioned, in-place drying. Now, the next reason is the one that I'm perhaps the most emotional about. Um, over the last two decades or so, the restoration industry has uh, seen the development of insurance programs that identified contractors to whom they could refer claims. As long as they agreed to the stipulation that certain terms of performance and price concessions were honored. And that became quite commonplace in the industry. And uh, if anybody wanted to get into our trade, that was a significant marketing barrier to those contractors because they couldn't get through those doors. And so it was uh, kind of, it stopped the growth of, uh, um, of the entrepreneurs who wanted to get into the industry. Now, in the last decade, Insurance companies have reduced their claims handling staff, and then they assigned the claims to a, a third-party administration company or a TPA, uh, Tachi, a third-party administration uh, yeah, firm. Now, at this time, TPAs are not bound by the same laws and ethics required by a license-carrying adjuster. So the claims handling processes are significantly more difficult to navigate and frequently much more emotional. Now, TPAs can impose a variety of demands on the contractor that up until recently have never been required. This situation makes uh, me both sad and angry, and from an emotional standpoint, it inspired me to write that article. Now, here's why the IICRC is associated with this state of the industry. Many insurance programs and TPAs mandate 
practices that they claim come from the ISCRC's industry standards. And yet the standards are very clear that what the insurers and TPAs are demanding from them is actually not a component of the standard of care to be followed. So first of all, where did these carefully worded ideas come from and how did they end up in the S-500? And how did the insurers and the TPAs come to the conclusion that, idea, that these ideas were something that was mandatory? And what are we supposed to do about correcting that situation? That's what I've tried to uh, make my article address. Now, Ken, I have one follow-up, and, and that is that has, has, in your opinion, there been uh, significant improvement in the current version of the S-500 versus the 2006 version? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that later on in the interview. Um, listen, there's no question about it that the new S-500 is significantly better than the 2006 version. There are several corrections that have been made. Uh, now, don't get me wrong here. There's still issues in there, um, but it is significantly better today than it was in 2006. We've made progress. Okay. Now, let's get back to the Z-Man. Cliff, um, the articles, you know, obviously were not written in a vacuum. You bounced them off of others. I think you covered that pretty much. What I would like to know, though, is, is why you chose to submit the article to the journal uh, when there are other trade industry publications with a larger audience. Well, for a couple of reasons, Joe. Uh, first of all, let me tell you uh, what happened because you were kind of a witness uh, to what happened. You and I were taking the radio show to uh, Chuck Violin's event down in, in Ohio and in Canton. And when I went there, uh, prior to going, I made several copies uh, of the article. I made one for you. I made one for John Downey. I made one for Michelle Blevins, who was also there, and she's the editor of uh, you know CNR magazine or um, R and R magazine, R and R, yeah, R and R. And my initial thought was first to put it in R and R, and the reason I wanted it in R and R was that more people would see it. And uh, I talked to Ken about it, and Ken, uh, Ken, Ken, and I—I I, I think we have a similar feeling that some of the journalistic stuff that gets into R and R—I think some of it's excellent, and I think some of it's crap, and I think there's some that kind of falls in the middle. So, in discussing it, uh, I then said, "Look, I'm going to—I'm going to ask John Downey if he would consider uh, putting it into the into the magazine." And, uh, I asked John and, you know, he said that he would consider it and, uh, you know, kind of based on that consideration, uh, I notified Michelle that, uh, you know, Ken and I decided that, uh, we were going to try to go with the, uh, with the journal. Also, Michelle had told me that she was going to have to break the article in multiple, in mine alone in multiple pieces because it was quite a large article. And I, if it was going to come out, you know, month after month after month over a period of three or four or five months, I, I just don't think that, you know, it would, you know, the people would kind of fall along with it. Uh, I, I also, you know, want to talk a little bit about the form uh, that, that, that my article was in. It was a little more aggressive. You know, my initial title was an, an, an indictment of the uh, of what's going on in the water damage restoration industry, and um, you know, I kind of submitted it to John in that form along with Ken, and that's that's how it got to John. Uh, I think it was my preference that, uh, and and I'm sure Ken's as well, that the IICRC have the opportunity to make it right. I think uh, historically. And with the industry, you know, kind of make the science right, give them the opportunity to, to do that. So, um, you know, I was very happy that, uh, you know, John w had the courage, uh, you know, to, to publish it. And, and I'm, I, maybe I sh I'd like to add, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, either Ken or Cliff, I think you also 
appreciate the fact that the journal articles go through the peer review process. You don't know who's reviewing it, and that that may well make it a better article. Well, I, you know, I for one, feel that my article was significantly improved after going through John's editing and going through uh, the peer review process and you know, having Pete comment on it and having Ken comment on it. Much, much better article uh, in terms of the language and the flow. And, you know, the peer reviewers bring up um, questions, you know, criticisms and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I think it, you know, resulted in doing more research and, it, it, you know, you address them. You know, we didn't have to, you know, you know, I think one of the nice things that John told us is that, you know, we could either, you know, um, you know, respond back, you know, inform, you know, stand with our position. But, you know, for the most part, I, you know, I kind of took the guidance that I got and, and felt that it was positive. I mean, this, it was all blind. We had no idea you know, who the reviewers were, I still don't know to this day. And I don't know that they knew who the author was either. So. Well, maybe they do now. Uh, Ken, <laughs> can, can you comment on the peer review process if you felt it made your article better? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know what? In my circle of contacts, including the students and business owners, the subject of non-control over their projects is pretty much a dominant theme. I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with a restorer with the theme being how uh, positive things look for the future of our industry. There's a lot of very discouraged people out there. In fact, one person said to me, you know, it's just not fun anymore. And, you know, that's really sad because this industry used to be a lot of fun and, and very rewarding, uh, you know, both emotionally and financially to be in this business. Uh, but every day now it just seems to be a, a, a real challenge to, you know, your patience and your tolerance. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's really taxing. Um, so, uh, you know, the, bouncing this off, the, the article off of others uh, and learning about these challenges that they've had, uh, you know, whether it be with unreasonable claim settlement practices with the insurers or TPAs uh, who exhaust the contractor with non-compromised services, you know, or non, not, not non-compromised, non-compensated services and rigid drying limitations. And now... The latest thing is even these software programs for drying documentation that um, inaccurately reflect the language of the S-500, and, and then it results in an incompetent deployment of drying equipment and several other undesirable drying documentation and consequences. I mean, we could go down a long rabbit hole with that one. But these are all things that stem to the IICRC, and everybody is, is struggling with these on a daily basis. And knowing that uh, you know, that where the source of these ideas and where the twists are coming from and the demands are coming from, you know, it, it's, uh, it's important to know that the readership is behind this message so as to inspire the IICRC to make the necessary changes so that we can get it, uh, a, corrective, a correction within our uh, restoration industry. Let's bring the editor in, John Downey. John, uh Welcome, and, and great to have you on the show again. Um, you know, the articles were you know, fairly critical of the group. I mean, they did it in a positive way, but they were fairly critical of the group that funds the journal, the IICRC. Uh, did you have any thoughts about not including the articles because of that? Hi, Joe. Uh, thank you for having me on the show and, and for uh, making this subject um something that, that is a part of IQ Radio, because I think it is important and, and it's very timely, uh, I, I think, anyway. Uh, and also, uh, you know, a, a couple ki kind words were given to me by uh, Ken and by Cliff, but they're the ones who, who put the blood, sweat, and tears into these articles. So they, and they did a really good job. Uh, it was a intense peer review process, and uh, I don't always know how people are going to take to criticism, but both of them were extremely uh, proactive and um, welcoming of, of uh, the critici criticisms that, that did come uh, through the peer reviewers at times. So having said that, as far as um, the journal publishing these articles, you know, I, I obviously was aware that they were critical of uh, 
both the standards, uh, at least the previous standards, even the standards uh, approach of the IICRC, and, uh, and, and also, to some extent, uh, the certifications that uh, have been established and things like that. But if the way I see the IICRC, and hopefully the way it sees itself, is that it is big enough, it is uh, welcoming enough of different perspectives that it can accept and should welcome criticism. And uh, as long as things are handled uh, in a professional way, um, the IICRC should be in a position where, uh, in my view, um, they should say thank you to people like Ken and like uh, Cliff for having the courage to express their views. And that's where the journal comes in. I mean, the journal is relatively new to the IICRC. We're in our third year. And it it kind of fills a void that they had before, uh, especially with standards that often take five years or longer to update. Uh, and you can get good, useful information uh, in the into the the uh, I should say out to the industry, the cleaning industry, restoration industry, inspection industry, because those are the three primary industries served by the IICRC. We can do it in a timely way through the journal, and you know I, I think it really it it, it fills a it fills a void, uh, and and with the peer review process and uh, that was a part of this, uh, I think we're able to. I don't want to say the IICRC controlled the information because it didn't, but I I think through the peer review process we were able to channel things in a way that I think uh, are more productive overall for the industry. Uh, the, the original articles, while good, you know, were, did have, I mean, and, and I, I've talked to both Cliff and Ken about this, they had a bias to them, uh, but that's normal. I mean, we all have a bias. And mm -hmm. the idea to editing and also to peer, peer review is to pull out the biases that a lot of them aren't even, you don't even know, they're subconscious. Um, just some choices of words that can be, uh, you think are appropriate, but others will see as antagonistic. So by publishing it in the journal, I think we were able to have, I hope we're able to have a, uh, a conversation, if you will, in the industry on this subject started by these articles that will pr be productive. Uh, and, and it's where I feel that the journal might be uniquely positioned uh, with compared to other industry trade magazines, such as r, &R which is a good magazine. My initial thought when I, when I first talked to Cliff was that he was going to publish an r, &R and I had no problem uh, with him doing that. In fact, I even suggested that we would include something in the journal referencing the articles in r, &R. But uh, I did have in the back of my mind the thought that it would be more productive if we could publish it in the journal. And I, I think, you know, so far it, it would appear that that's the case. Well, John, I'm curious, what kind of feedback have you gotten from both the readership and, if any, from the leadership of the IICRC? Um, readership first. I've already gotten more feedback from from these articles than any articles that we have published in the journal, in terms, especially uh, emails that have been received from various sources, uh, even a couple phone calls as well, but uh, have had a lot of uh, feedback. So far, all the feedback that I've had has been positive, uh, very good, you know, one in one uh, may not have agreed in every way with, with the articles, but it was, all, it was still very positive. Um, as far as the leadership goes, uh, to date, I have heard nothing. So uh, I have not had any feedback, positive or negative. I, I know that the leadership of the IICRC is focused on um, changes it's making in administration. So maybe they just haven't had a chance to look at it yet. But uh, so far, and uh, I actually I spoke to uh, the treasurer last night, 
about other matters, and he was in the middle of doing an ASD course, which is kind of the course that came from in-place drawing, uh, and there was not a comment. He made no comment at all. So, uh, so far, I, you know, I've heard nothing negative or positive. Uh, if I do hear anything from leadership in, a, in either way or maybe both, uh, I will, you know, I'll be happy to talk to them about it. I, I'm not trying to... Um, I'm not sure always leadership understands the mission of the journal, uh, but in a way it might give me an opportunity to further explain it because we're, you know, I, I don't, if I'm the, to be the editor of the journal, it's not simply going to be a mouthpiece expressing the views of the IICRC. It's going to uh, have a, a deeper significance, and the IIC, it needs to be something where the IICRC uh, um, uses it to self-critique as well, and, and, but mostly to provide good, useful information to the IICRC's best customers, which is what, uh, who received the journal primarily. Okay, I, I got a break and thank our sponsors. When we come back, I've got one final question I want to get to Cliff, Ken, and maybe John, you know, the kind of a toss-up question. And then we're going to bring in a couple of people that have commented and uh, get their thoughts. Uh, I'd like to get some man-in-the-field perspective, basically. So we'll be back in about uh, 60 seconds with the second half of our interview. We've got Ken Larson, we've got John Diney, we've got Cliff Slotnick, and coming up we'll have Mike Miles and Clayton Shull, and then we'll bring in the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli. And thanks to our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. The Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Thanks to our advertisers. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Visit them at legends-enviro.com. And Particles Plus. They are engineers and manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Particlesplus.com. Count on us. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at their website, jondon.com. That's jondon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, we're back for the second half of our interview with uh, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. We've got Ken Larson. We've got John Donnie. And before we bring in our other guests, I've got one more question on these articles that have to do with the unintended consequences of in-place drying in the ANSI IICRC S500. Um, first one I'm going to throw out to either Cliff, Ken, or if both of you would like to answer. What, what would you guys like to see happen as the result of these articles? So, you know, would you like to see the ASD certification go away? Uh, what about all the flood houses that have been built to teach this ASD? You know, what, what are your thoughts on where we should go from here? Um, if, if I could go first on that one, Cliff, there's one thing that I'm really passionate about and I really want to see happen as a result of these articles. 
the first and most important thing I want to see happen is I want those involved in the IICRC, excuse me, education and exam committees to recognize how a poorly crafted learning objective can and does destroy the competent use of the messages provided within the S-500 standards. No matter how hard the standards uh, committee tries to um, cautiously express a statement, the exams can fully undo all that hard work. So, for instance, many of the IICRC exam questions reference the S-500's dehumidifier formulas that are merely a recommendation in the guideline. Now, for those of you who don't know, a recommendation in a document or in that, those documents means that it's not a component of the standard of care to be followed. It's merely a suggestion, some casual advice. It doesn't even say it's best practice. It's just an idea. Now, there is nothing in the standard that says a contractor must follow it. But when the student must face the use of this formula in their exams, and they answer it incorrectly, then the IICRC declares them to be wrong. And I think it's that action of saying that the student is wrong that I believe is the source being used by the insurers, the TPAs, and the software designers to twist the interpretation of the S-500. They learned it not from the standard, but rather they learned it from the IICRC exams produced by the exam committees. You could say that the exam committees taught the industry how to misuse the information in the S-500 by saying the student was wrong. And thinking about this disconnect between the standards and the exams makes my head explode. I just don't know what to do with that situation. It shouldn't be that way. All right. Cliff? Um, I agree with Ken that it does go to the curriculum. Uh, I think the curriculum really needs to be simplified. They need to take the made-up stuff out of it. They need to take the complication out of it. You know, Drawing a building, in my opinion, is really not that difficult. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, and I, I think I, I've said it on the show before, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Jim Darling. Uh, he's since passed away. He uh, ran ChemSpec in Canada. And I remember we were talking about uh, mold remediation. He, he and I served on the board at the IICRC at the same time and about what employees needed to know. And, you know, several people who were well-known, I'm not going to mention any names, were pontificating about uh, what employees needed to know and, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, Jim raised his hand, he got the floor, and he said, I'm going to give you mold remediation in four words. Mold bad, clean good. Okay, <laughs> And this was for workers that didn't understand English as their first language. And I think drawing it is pretty simple. You know, wet, bad, dry, good. And, uh, you know, we, we can kind of show them how to get there. Uh, I mean, I found I, I couldn't teach. I was an ICRC instructor. I couldn't teach this course. I, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't teach the drawing formulas. I couldn't teach the uh, equipment placement formulas and categories of wetness and materials and and so on and so forth. You know, I think Lloyd had it. Lloyd developed a, simp a system that was simple. It was effective. It was brilliant. It worked. I really think the industry needs to go back to you know to to doing it really. Uh, his way. And, you know, what, what the photographs, you know, some people see these photographs and, you know, what they really don't see is that air is, when you see that smoke passing through the, those materials, air is moving through those materials. Air is moving through the interstitial spaces. Uh, you know, in terms of what to do with these drying houses and, and, and so on and so forth, um, I, I think that they just need to fix the curriculum, adjust the curriculum around, away from um, dominance of, of in-place drawing, I think okay. would, would be a pretty good start. All right. Well, let's, let's do this, gentlemen. Let's bring a couple of practitioners on. Before we do, we have a little uh, intro music for uh, Mike and Clayton. You want to know what I think is happening here? Oh, this should be rich and overtaxed. I think you just got to be in the out group. Whoever's on top, whoever's in power, whoever's successful, you got to be on the other side or you don't feel like the smartest guy in the room. All you are, my dear, is a contrarian. Oh, please, you could not be more off base. 
<laughs> all right guys all right it was wasn't music but uh a little clip to help maybe uh lighten the mood a little bit mike miles uh, mike you're um, in the mid-atlantic region there you're a remediator you um, do a lot of water damage restoration what did you find in drying a house in 2009 and what was the reaction to your discovery well in 2009 i was participating uh in some asd training and uh at, at 2009 and other locations i took my text because i wanted to find out for myself but i i went to a drying house asd training and was getting recertified um, and i just found it was pretty i was working on wisteria lane and <laughs> yeah in a nutshell they they flooded the home in several areas it was a simple home simple drying house it was living room dining room bedroom were carpeted vinyl sheet goods in a laundry area and a pre-finished hardwood floor in the kitchen open to that area and I, I was questioning it from the beginning, and, and the source was a clean loss. You know, they, but what they did is they took a hose, and they put it into the junction box for the, you know, the laundry hot and cold, and they used cold water, and they ran it out to the carpet. And they flooded the house, and so lo and behold, we go in, and we're doing the drying and the testing. And, and you know, I just didn't feel it was realistic. And when I say that, a hose burst, it's usually in the wall or next to a wall, and the vinyl's saturated. The vinyl was barely wet. But below the house, I, I took a group down there, and we were talking about how to dry the crawl space. And I was questioning in engineering and environmental controls, and that wasn't even going over. You know, what's going to happen if we positively pressurize stuff going into the structure? Mm -hmm. That wasn't taught. But I found a bunch of mold, and it was, I, I consider it dirty mold. You know, it wasn't an actively wet spot. I found it in a subfloor, ironically, below the living room, where two sheets of plywood meet. And when I brought it to the attention of the instruct instructors, uh, I was kind of just kind of poof-pooed off. <laughs> so, you know, throughout the process, it, it was pretty, it was cute, but it wasn't realistic. You know, no pipe broke under the cabinet with particle board cabinets swelling up. And, you know, I mean, the edges of the wood were barely wet. The vinyl was barely wet. And, uh, you know, I, I challenged it throughout, and, and I was just rather disappointed because, if you have a pipe break on a washing machine supply hose, when my technicians show up, the first thing you got to do is an evaluation and safety. What is the job hazard analysis? Now, are my guys going to take a soaking wet dryer with a 220 line and unplug it? Or are they going to go to the breaker box and turn it off? Mm -hmm. So it, to me, it was. It, I viewed the ASD training with basically a poster child to adjusters to get certified. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, that, that's, that's my strong opinion. And yeah. I did find some suspected microbial growth under the home. Uh, and uh, I was told no way, shape, or form that was mold. No way. <laughs> no, that's not mold. <laughs> Ignore yeah. what you're seeing there, Mike. Well, let me, let me ask you one more that I'd like to jump over to Clayton. In your experience, um, do you agree that the third-party administrators, insurance carriers, um, misinterpret and misrepresent the IICRC S-500? Based on real-time practical experiences, yes. Um, I feel that the IICRC S-500 standard, especially the new one with the six major changes, is an awesome document. In, in my business, we review it with our guys. We talk about it. We have coffee or we'll have a lunch once a month. And it's a wonderful document. And, I, I, yes, it is being misinterpreted because, you know, somebody tell me why I can't use an AFD or build environmental controls on a Category 2 loss because now it's Cat 3. Why can't I decontaminate my equipment? And this is an argument that I can reference it, photocopy it, submit it, and, uh, you know, the industry uh, and the TPAs, they're not held to the standard the adjusters are. And that's, that's you know, I see a lot of mis misinterpretation. And I think that goes back to a mass entry into the schools. And somebody had referenced earlier in the conversation the simplicity of the exams. And, uh, you know, I, I've, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me they went to a drying school and they're ASD certified, I would say, okay, and now I'll ask them a question off there about engineering or environmental controls or what did they do to monitor the particulates in the air, and, and, and they look at me like they have, you know, three heads on their shoulder. 
Well, I, I I agree. I hear a lot about these. I had a, a guy up here that wanted to build one, and I I said, you know, you might want to hold off on that a little bit. But anyway, um, Clayton Shaw, let's bring Clayton in. You reside in Canada. Uh, you've been in the restoration industry since 89. Um, you're a well-known flooring instructor. you got a unique historical perspective. Um, you, you've kind of distanced yourself from the restoration industry. What prompted you to comment on the articles? Well, thank you for inviting me uh, to the show. And there's just a couple of corrections there. That uh, Actually, I took the Water Loss uh, Institute event in San Antonio in 1999, not uh, 89. Okay. And I'm also just a, I'm a flooring inspector and not a, not a flooring instructor. So just to get that out of the way. But anyways, yeah, I was uh, just, I'm a techie techie type and uh, you know, I just got up really early one morning and I was looking for something not to eat but to to something technical to read so I end up uh, for some reason ending up at the ISRC journal and uh, always had an interest in water damage so, you know, I had uh, experience for 15 years and uh, so I started uh, reading one of the articles there and, and my, I, I just couldn't believe what I was reading and just Clayton how can well you I, I got a couple of texts can you speak up a little bit Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I started reading those art the, the article, the first one. I just couldn't believe how extremely informative the information was, how well written it was, and how timely the information was to the industry. So that's what that's what got me uh, going. And I started reading the second article, and I just been fully impressed with the way everything was uh, presented and uh, the was provided. And it kind of... Really uh, would you would you say that the the comments in the article kind of matched what you had seen out in the field? When I, in my in my days, I was uh, more um, uh, I wasn't uh, I was just uh, taking when I when I left the industry in place, drying was just coming into place. So I was more the old method uh, with the uh, the weaver method, where we'd you know put uh, blowers underneath the, the carpet. Okay, so you were still using the older methods. All right, let's. Um, Let's let's move on, and and I want to I want to go back to uh, John Downey. John, um, what are your what are your thoughts on on the um, what you would like to see happen as the result of these articles? If you you know if you feel that you know you'd like to see anything happen, or is it just you know let's get the information out to people? Yeah, as the editor of the journal, that's the way I view my role is to to basically facilitate the dissemination of the information, make sure that it's gone through a peer review process with uh, peer reviewers that really are subject matter experts, and then let kind of let it speak for itself. I, I don't really have an agenda on where this goes. I have my own viewpoint uh, and, and as it relates to standards and that, but, you know, this isn't about what my viewpoint, <laughs> people that know me know I, I always have a point of view, but my point of view is not really what the, you know, what it matters here. It's, it's, and, and it's really important to me that we um, have a discussion about this. As I was reading uh, first, I think I read first Cliff's and then Ken's articles initially, what occurred to me was this is something we need to have a discussion in the industry about. And I, I think I've mentioned probably to both of them, I'm sure at one point there was some discussion, but I think it was a long time ago and um, there was and there was a, a lot less data at the time that, that those discussions were had. And we've gone through probably at least 10 to 15 years of experience and gathering of data, and it's important that this discussion be had again. I, uh, so that's the way I, I view the, my role and the journal's role in this is to facilitate a discussion. Well, let's, what I'd like to do here, gentlemen, is I want to go to the roundup. And then uh, we'll go around the horn one more time and ask everybody for a final comment. And we'll also hear from uh, Mr. Pete Consigli. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw Who let the dogs out? Here's your call, Pete. 
we have hey, you on guys, the... how you doing? Can you hear me okay with that, Joe? You sound good, Pete. What 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 kind of comments do you have? Uh, anything to add? Well, I took a couple of notes here as I was listening to everybody talk. Kind of do a quick wrap up. I first of all, I um, you know really uh, it was really a, a privilege, and I'm really happy that I was able to work with uh, with Ken and Cliff in the very early stages of the development of the articles and the whole process of where we're going to place it and where it would go. I'm very happy that it actually went in the journal. I, I agree with everybody that that was the right place for it to go, and uh, the, just the rigorous process that John oversees and the wonderful job that he did, um, you know, in, in doing that was uh, was really quite something. Uh, surprised, I guess. Uh, well, I guess I'm not surprised, but when he said he's gotten more comments on these articles than anything else in the history of the journal, I guess that speaks for itself. But um, I want to start with, uh, from my perspective, what was really important, and Ken Larson mentioned this in his opening comments, was the fact that we've got this thing kind of on the radar screen uh, for us is the, the, the research that was done that was published in the Journal of Environmental Health. That's a scientific peer-reviewed journal. It's very significant. There were uh, several in, prominent industry guys that were involved in that who were also involved with the IICRC, and they pointed out kind of this unintended consequence of this drying in place microbial growth and other issues that I think we probably haven't dealt with. Um, I think largely it's been ignored. I, I think uh, I don't think anyone's really comment on it. And I don't think that the industry is aware of generally that research and how important it is to, to really set the stage for these two articles. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as the industry grew and the comments that, uh, that Cliff made early on in going to the various flood houses, you know, it became very equipment-driven. Um, I think the industry had good intentions to uh, build these houses to drive faster, quicker, you know, uh, deliver a better, you know, quote-unquote restoration product. But, you know, it's just part of the growth and the learning process as an industry. I think it's time for us to get away from this step-by-step, -step, you know, uh, process and these prescriptive standards that we have. You know, Cliff and myself have been advocates for this for a long time. I think the IACRC is moving in that direction. There's two things that we've advocated for. Number one, we should move more to a performance-based model than the prescriptive one. It's 25 years now. It's time to move in that direction. I think they are. The other thing is separating the standard from the reference guide. That's in the process of happening now. Within the next year, that will happen, and I think that will reduce a lot of this confusion where you know people uh, use reference guide information as if it speaks authoritatively with the standard that Ken commented on, and I think that, that's, that's very problematic. Um, I think now regarding the carriers and the TPAs, you know, the big thing is this predictive analysis now. They've been talking about this for a few years now, and the carriers are, are big into that. You know, I kind of use the sports analogy. You know, football, baseball, sports, basketball, they're all into this predictive analysis, you know, how they draft people, you know, how they qualify and uh, pay salaries and do all this stuff. But the part that they forget has to do with the human dynamic, the human spirit, the variables. And I think it's the same thing in the work that we do. There's variables out there. You can't nail it down exactly as they want. The carers would like it. They, you know, that's how they'd like to put it. And, uh, and I think that it's time that we start thinking about the customer, the people who are actually doing the work. So when you go back to those comments that Cliff made early in the show about Lloyd had it right, I think he had a good start. I think it was right. I don't think it was, I don't want to say it was 100% right or 100% wrong. He was the original innovator and pioneer. Things have changed since then. But the fact is, when we used to pull the carpet cushion, uh, sometimes tote the carpet and drive the carpet in place, there's something to be said for the customer visually seeing what you're doing and not imagining that there's a problem under there. You can treat the subfloor, treat the backing in the carpet, the customer can see it. Granted, it's a little bit more labor-intensive, but the trade-off is there's less equipment, it drives just as fast. And I kind of tend to think that maybe we're going to start to go back a little bit more in that direction where people actually see what's actually being done. Um, the, uh, I think that the carriers rely on us, the industry, to give them the standards. And they base their decisions on what the standard is. So, if, for instance, some of the TPAs that basically say we follow the S-500, well, if the S-500 standard at the time was in place drying, well, that's what they advocated for those were the certifications. Those were what were in the flood houses. That's where everybody went for training, not just the contractors, but a lot of insurance people and TPAs go to those flood houses too around the country. Well, if that changes, if the industry says, look, we found out new stuff, 
learning curve, things are different. I think that they'll follow what the industry puts out if it goes through a consensus process. And I think that's the challenge. And it would appear to me, you know, listening to everybody on the show, the input that's come back from the articles, that that's the, the, the direction where we need to go. Look, the fact that they built all these flood houses, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not like we're gonna, they're going to burn the houses and throw them out. They just have to, like Chris said, they have to decide how they want to reuse the houses, how they, you know, how can they effectively use those houses as an educational tool. And as the practices change, the research validates it, um, the movement happens to, you know, to whatever the next level of most effective restoration is going to happen, I think the houses and the people who made those investments will adjust to that accordingly. Certainly having hands-on type training is something that isn't going to go away, and I, and I, and I think it's a, one of the most effective ways, really, uh, to, uh, to train people. So, uh, you know, in conclusion, I think we, you know, let's just admit what happened um, and, and, and let's change how we do it, not just in the standard but in the certification arena. And I will say in closing, and I, I don't think that uh, Clifford can mention this, but uh, one of the things that is going to happen in the CNR magazine, the monthly magazine of RIA, the two articles, uh, the, the editors of uh, the RIA have worked with John Downey to get appropriate credits. They're going to repurpose those articles in the October issue, um, which is the education and certification focus. Cliff and Ken are going to write a two to three hundred word forward to kind of target the relevance and the importance of the articles towards the RIA membership. I think this is a good thing. Uh, outside of the general magazines and the journals publication, I think, uh, you know, all the large companies are members of RAA. A lot of the key project managers, many of the owners who make these big decisions um, read that magazine. It's not to say they don't read the journal, but sometimes in a technical journal, articles of this significance, which also kind of have more of a industry change uh, element to it, may get lost in the technical review. But, uh, you know, the monthly association magazine that comes, in a column or feature article, it's easy to identify. So I, I think that's going to further get the message out to important uh, uh, industry influences in the industry, and I, I think it's a good thing. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it all is all going to go. I don't always look at everything as being good or bad. Sometimes it just is, and you got to kind of roll with the flow. you got to admit, you know, when you can do it a better way or maybe what we thought wasn't quite working, and let's move on and let's take the egos out of it. But uh, it's easier said than done, and certainly with, when there's a money stream and people have money to be made, they don't say follow the money by accident. And, you know, we all know that those are also issues too. But anyway, I thought it was a fantastic show. I think you guys did great work. I appreciate the two practitioners calling in and giving their perspectives from the remediation and the, uh, the viewpoint of uh, the, you know, inspection industry. And um, anyway, I think it'll be a very interesting blog, Cliff. And uh, look forward to seeing that next week when you publish it. Anyway, great job, guys. All right. Well, Great thank job. you, Pete. Hey, before we go, we're running a little low on time. I do want to give John, Cliff, and Ken one final crack at anything we missed that um, you want to make sure the listeners hear, um, or anything you'd like to add before we go. Let's let's start with John Downey. Thank you, Joe. Uh, really, the only thing I would uh, add is, as it relates to the journal, is that I, I really think this sort of thing. The sort of uh, article or topic is something that uh, the journal can and should and will uh, pursue more aggressively. Not this particular topic per se, but the idea of of, of taking on um, topics that may be uh, a little under the radar or by being talked about behind the scenes and bring them forward and talk about them in a way that is professional that uh, utilizes a peer review process so that we're not just throwing out one guy's opinion versus another guy's opinion. And by doing this, I think it's a, it's a way that we can uh, help bring the industry forward to a certain extent. There are lots of things that come into play, but I think it will help uh, move the industry forward in a positive direction. All so right. with that, that's a thank you. Thank you, John. Let's go to Ken Larson. Ken, final comments. Yes. Yeah, really quickly, everything Pete said was uh, bang on, and I, I'm, uh, I agree with everything he had to say there. Uh, my comment is this, is that I want to put a shout-out there to my fellow instructors and all those involved in the creation of the IICRC exams 
and get them to, um, or encourage them, not get them, encourage them to read the articles that Cliff and I wrote and have them recognize the uh, influence that their exams can have on an entire industry and recognize that they need to, that what they're doing is, brings a lot of accountability. And I would really encourage them to uh, take that uh, uh, volunteer work very seriously and, you know, and recognize uh, the, the the consequences. That's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, thank you, Ken and Cliff. Let's uh, let you have the last word here. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, I think that what the articles um, demonstrate is there is a need for understand the understandable, practical, realistic, hands-on training. And the restoration industry used to be a great business. In order to make the restoration industry great again, we need to first make our training great again. All right. Well, thank you, Cliff. And I also want to thank John Downey, Ken Larson, Cliff, the Z-Man Zlotnick, uh, Mike Miles, Clayton Shaw, uh, all of you, thanks for joining us. Of course, Pete Consigli. Uh, always great to have your comments during the roundup. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guests, thanks to our sponsors, most importantly, thanks to our growing group of loyal listeners. We had a nice live show today. Uh, thank you, Ernie. Well said. And uh, we'll be back next week with the next episode of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.